0: Welcome to the Super High Yield Anesthesia Podcast, where we will discuss high yield concepts for students on their anesthesia rotation. I am your host, Scott, the fourth year medical student. Thanks for tuning in to episode 9 of the Super High Yield Anesthesia Podcast, and today we'll talk about analgesic medications and pain management. So, the two types of medications we'll be talking about today would be opioids and NSAIDs. And without further ado, let's get started. So, for opioids, the mechanism for that is that it has agonistic effects on opioid receptors. So, the different types of opioid receptors include mu, kappa, delta, and sigma receptors, and these receptors are generally found widespread throughout the body. And each of the receptors will end up having like a different clinical effects stimulated. So if you're interested in knowing each of these effects, I highly recommend you just, uh, you can look it up, the clinical anesthesiology book by McHale. Uh, has a really good table on that. I just won't discuss it here because there's a lot of details and and would not include it here just for the sake of time. These receptors, however, are uh, G protein coupled receptors and its activation causes hyperpolarization of the, the neuron of the cells. So it does this through inhibition of calcium channels and it activates potassium channels. The net effect of this is hyperpolarization. And this is important because it ultimately decreases the presynaptic release of neurotransmitters like acetylcholine and substance P in nociceptive neurons. And nociceptive neurons are the ones that are responsible for pain sensation. So analgesia, from opioids is primarily derived from its action on the central nervous system, particularly upon the descending inhibitory pathways. And the other effects that you see with opioid use, like constipation, are due to receptors in the peripheral tissue. For metabolism, the opioids are primarily uh, metabolized in the liver via the CYP, enzymes, that's a CYP, and it's excreted primarily in the kidneys, which is important to note because if a patient has renal failure, the opioids could accumulate in the patient and cause prolonged narcosis and ventilatory depression. Next, we're going to talk about notable effects on different uh, organ systems. So for the respiratory system, the Opioids binding to respiratory centers ends up causing respiratory depression, which presents with a decreased respiratory rate. And a rapid and large dose of opioids could cause chest wall rigidity, which would make back mask ventilation almost impossible. And this is particularly associated with drugs like fentanyl. Regarding the effects on nervous system, the prolonged exposure could cause opioid-induced hyperalgesia, and for the GI system, it can slow the GI motility, cause contraction of the sphincter of OD, and also cause biliary spasm. So now that we talked about the general characteristics of opioids, let's talk about the commonly used opioids. So in this episode we'll talk about morphine, hydromorphone, fentanyl, and meperidine. So for morphine, it is generally used at the end of the surgery. It's uh, pretty long acting, so it is good for post-op pain. Of all the opioids, it's uh, the least lipid soluble, so it could accumulate in cases of renal failure. Next is hydromorphone, otherwise known as dilaudid, and this is a derivative of morphine and generally used postoperatively due to its long-acting properties, just like morphine. Uh, It is important to note, however, that it is definitely more potent, so you can use a lower dose compared to morphine. Next up is fentanyl, and fentanyl is used primarily during induction and throughout the surgery. Uh, Apparently, because it is rapid-acting and as we discussed before using too high of a dose of fentanyl is associated with chest wall rigidity and this would prevent things like uh, mask ventilation. The last opioid we'll talk about today is uh, metparidine aka Demerol and Demerol has a structural feature similar to atropine. And it's particularly useful in treating post-op shivers. And it's important to note that it could accumulate in patients with renal failure. And you should definitely avoid using Demerol if the patient's currently on uh, MAO inhibitors because that can cause hypothermia, seizures, and possibly even death. So that's our discussion on opioids. Now let's talk about opioid reversal agents. And particularly, we're gonna talk about naloxone. And the mechanism for naloxone is that it's an opioid receptor antagonist, and it's uh, used for acute opioid overdose. And this is a high yield board point in that it's not to be confused with naltrexone, which is used to prevent relapse and not an acute overdose. Okay, and moving on, the last part of this episode, we're going to talk about NSAIDs. So, the mechanism of this is it's a cyclooxygenase or COX inhibitor, and the net effect of that is it's going to decrease prostaglandin synthesis. Remember, prostaglandin does quite a few things, and one of it is to induce pain sensation. So there's two types of COX enzymes. So there's COX-1 and COX-2. So COX-1 is found throughout the body and COX-2 is produced in response to any sort of uh, inflammation. And so here are the key must-know ideas regarding NSAIDs as uh, COX inhibitors. With non-selective COX inhibition, Drugs uh, like aspirin would treat fever, thrombosis, inflammation, and pain. And aspirin in particular irreversibly inhibits COX-1 by acetylating serine, which causes the long duration of effects in aspirin. And the other high-yield idea is that selective COX-2 inhibitors do not cause platelet inhibition or GI issues. NSAIDs are generally given PO, are metabolized through hepatic transformation, and excreted through the kidneys. So now we're going to talk about the different effects of NSAIDs on uh, some various organ systems, specifically GI and renal. So for GI, the NSAIDs could remove protective effects of prostaglandins. So causing things like GI upset and upper GI bleeding. So that's a high yield thing for boards. Because if a patient, uh, especially if they're male, presents with some sort of upper GI bleed and have a history of NSAID use, it's having a peptic ulcer should be high on your differential due to the effects of NSAIDs, removing the protective effects of prostaglandins. And regarding the renal system, it could exacerbate any symptoms of renal failure. And this is particularly high yield for boards because remember that prostaglandin increases renal blood flow and the glomerular filtration rate, the GFR, by dilating the afferent arterioles. So if you have a drug like aspirin or like any other NSAID, this would decrease the amount of prostaglandin in the kidney, and that would in turn decrease the renal blood flow and decrease the GFR because the afferent arterioles would be clamping shut. So because of these adverse effects on the kidney, definitely avoid using NSAIDs on patients that have evidence of renal dysfunction. So for example, if they have like a reduced creatinine clearance on labs. Uh, Commonly used NSAIDs uh, include ibuprofen, ketorolac, aka Tordol, and celecoxib, aka Celebrex. And key notes about NSAIDs is to never give both ibuprofen and cuterolac at the same time as that can exacerbate renal issues and to ensure that you don't damage the patient's kidneys uh definitely give fluids when, when giving uh, NSAIDs. The last pain medication we're going to talk about is uh, acetaminophen. So the main mechanism for that, uh, particularly for analgesia, for pain is no one really knows. There's no definitive answer in how acetaminophen is used to treat pain. But recording the antipyretic properties, it inhibits COX in the brain without attaching to the active binding sites such that it's a non-competitive inhibitor. So for acetaminophen, you might already know that if a patient overdoses on it, it can cause liver issues. So definitely avoid acetaminophen if the patient has severe liver disease. So that wraps up this episode on pain medications analgesics and today's fun fact is another history lesson if you guys haven't figured this out yet I'm kind of a history buff I like learning history things and uh, one of my favorite things is the Ottoman Empire it was something like I, I learned about in undergrad and for some reason, I was just fascinated by the history of it. So, regarding one particular uh, ruler or sultan, is Mehmed the Conqueror, who's famed for conquering Constantinople, uh, which is present-day Istanbul. So, conquering Constantinople was like a crazy achievement because many kingdoms before Mehmed the Conqueror tried to take the city but no one was able to because one of the primary reasons for that it has like a very geographical um strategic location so like the city itself is surrounded by three sides uh by water and the other side is just straight up like rocky terrain so then it's just physically difficult to lay siege to the city and one of the defenses of Constantinople is this barricade that prevents any ships from entering the area. So, Mebed the Conqueror and his army, he wanted to get his ships on the other side of the barricade so he can use it to bombard the fortifications. But then he ran through that barrier and it was difficult to break through. So, being the the hard ass that he was, instead of going through it in the water, what he did was he got a bunch of logs and rode his ships over land to the other side of the barrier. So he literally just bypassed the entire barrier by just pushing his boats, his ships overland, and that uh, allowed his uh, navy to bombard the, the fortifications of uh, Constantinople. The entire, like, siege was pretty interesting. But that was just, like, a really cool feat of, like, military engineering that I wanted to share. And if you want to watch a, a really cool documentary, it's not, it's not a documentary. It's, um, it's, like, a history, dramatic history kind of show um, on Netflix. It's called uh, Rise of Empires Ottoman. So it covers the siege of Constantinople, and it's, it was really cool. Okay, so thanks for listening to my rant on uh, Medved the Conqueror and thanks for listening to this episode. This is Scott, the fourth year Malco student and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.